great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's the way to go. All over the Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other great host of this show, Nick. And Nick, the Giants. The Giants this weekend. It's an exciting matchup. It's actually a little bit closer of a spread than we were hoping, but first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. Some great Christmas games we got to watch, some really good football. Brock Purdy, four interceptions. I mean, it was a Christmas miracle. His MVP odds skyrocketed the wrong direction, and it was amazing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as this game goes, I'm feeling good. The five and ten Giants, who didn't seem like they could do anything offensively, got all their points, it seemed, defensively. And you have the eight and seven Rams, who are like the hottest team in the NFC. So. It's hard not to be excited right now. Yeah, I think we're all excited. I think we're coming off of the holiday, right? So everybody's kind of picking up the pieces. Hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. Hope everybody enjoyed it with their families. And if you guys are enjoying, we know we have a lot of new subscribers to the channel. Uh, make sure that you guys like and subscribe. We have a lot of new content coming out, a lot of new fun stuff. Hopefully some giveaways coming up. So if you can, please. I remember, Nick, I'm further away from the camera. We remember to ask people to like and subscribe. Two really good things to start off this episode. Everybody on Christmas morning, uh, this is just gives you a window into how my family, our family operates. Uh, they wouldn't stop talking about how Dean is too close to the camera and how he has to move away in Rams Brothers. So <laughs> no feedback on uh, the actual critiques. Full of critiques. You can't just, do well, that's what family. That's what family time is around the holidays. You come into the house, you eat food, you get critiqued, especially if you're a paisan. I'm sure, you know, Danny Cutlets was familiar with it on Christmas Eve. Maybe had a little bit too much eggnog. Maybe was critiqued a little bit too much because he showed up on Christmas and didn't seem like he was prepared to play against the, the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. So this game is going to be really interesting. We're not going to get any Danny Cutlets or Tommy Cutlets or Danny DeVito. We're going to get the Rams as four and a half point favorites. They're minus 198. The over under is set at 43 and a half, Nick. So the Rams have gone over in four of their last five games. Totally expect them to do so in this game. What's really odd about this one is they're actually an underdog to hit 23 and a half points. So that, you know, hint maybe hitting a lock in the future. But 90% of the bets have been placed on the Rams. A little bit scary. You know, we saw the last couple of weeks, we saw Baltimore get 90% of the money placed on them. I think the Rams had 80, 81% of the money placed on them against the Saints. So it's a little bit lopsided. Um, the Rams now, I think this is really interesting. Um, now minus 260 to make the playoffs this season. Previously in week 16, before the Thursday night game, they were plus 180. Now they're a heavy, heavy favorite at minus 260 to make the playoffs. So it strongly suggests that they should take care of business in this game get the job done, and then eventually progress on to San Francisco, which will be a whole other matchup nightmare. Very interesting that them to make the playoffs is minus 260. When Like, if if this game is minus 198, if you like the Rams to make the playoffs, just take that line because sure. all they have to do is really win this game. They can lose next week and still get in based on how other teams operate. 
Um, but that's just really bizarre that that line is so minus 260. I guess they have faith that they, if they lose this one, they can beat San Francisco. But I mean, I don't, you know, it is weird. I don't think McVay has ever lost to the New York Giants. No, he's 3 0. Yeah, yeah and the Rams play really like, well. They play yeah. really well in that early window. They're nine and three in the early one o'clock Eastern window. So, and when you travel across country, that's kind of a big deal. Like if you're a West Coast team, to be able to adjust and wake up for that one o'clock game is huge. But McVay has a great record against the Giants. I think we all remember back to that 2017 game where Robert Woods right. took that screen back to the house. I think they won that game like 43 to six. I think that and was the old man. Yeah, I think it was. It was actually featured in that episode we did. Um, on McVay's greatest hits. If you remember back, that was one of his greatest games he ever called was that 43-6 victory over the Giants. I think that was roughly the score. Um, and Bobby Trees took one to the house. So there is a good history against the New York Giants. And I think obviously now you got a different coach in Brian Dable uh, with different defense coordinator and Wink Martindale. But it's it's definitely going to be a, a good matchup. Like I, I don't want to you know put too many eggs in the basket of the Rams are going to win by 10 points in this game. It's going to be a little bit closer maybe than it was against the Saints. Um, and it's all probably because of Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. I mean, he showed it in the Eagles game. The Eagles, who kind of have a sp sparingly struggling defense right now, um, he was kind of able to pick them apart and tear them up down the stretch. And it kind of feels like if he was in the game from the get-go, they may have been able to uh, to take it over the Eagles. But, you know, when it came down to it, the, the, the Giants' defense kind of reminded me a little bit of the Rams defense where if you get into the fourth quarter and it just felt like they were just, you know, they were getting the third down, but then once they got the third down, it was just, it was over. They so couldn't stop I, the Eagles when they had to. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I feel like totally right. that's, that, that's my only worry is if we get up big and then we start to kind of sleepwalk again, similar to the commanders game and then, you know, kind of blow it down the stretch. But I just watching the Giants uh, defense over the last court, like last couple of weeks and the Rams offense over the last couple of weeks, it does feel like we should be able to mull them over pretty easily. Yeah, we should. I mean, I, I think that this this guy's the main concern, right? It is Tyrod Taylor because it's that roller coaster of a career that he's been on. It's 27, 27 and one as a career starter. He's one and two on the season. But do you remember back when he was a starter in Buffalo? when he had Percy Harvin and he had Shady McCoy and Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins is a really fun group. Like if you were an you know, old school Madden player, like that is definitely a team and Sammy Watkins, the lizard King and, and Robert Woods, it was a fun group. Um, and he went on to have a pretty steady three year stretch in Buffalo. And he went on to have starting jobs in Cleveland and the chargers where they actually punctured his lung um, by accident. Justin Har Herbert ended up making the starting lineup and became the starter for the next two, three years. And then in Houston, he had a, an opportunity to start, I think, with Davis Mills and ended up getting hurt. He's essentially the Mr. Worldwide of the NFL. He's kind of like a Geno Smith type player where he's a backup, a, a, a long term backup, could have potentially have been a starter, was drafted to be a starter. And he's been a little bit more productive in the backup role. And I, I really just kind of wanted to look at this offense in terms of productivity when Tyrod was either starting or got the majority of the snaps. Because that, to me, was the only thing that was interesting about this Giants offense. It's like, you're going to study it with Danny Jones, you're going to study it with Tommy DeVito, or with Tyrod Taylor. It felt like the, his sample size within these four games felt like you can get a pretty good understanding of what this Giants offense is going to look like. So the Buffalo game in October, 14-9 loss, um, 24 of 36, 66.7% completion percentage, no touchdowns, no interceptions, was sacked three times, fumbled once, didn't lose it. Then the Washington game, they got a win. 14 to seven. He was 18 of 27, 62 yards, 
uh, 62% completion percentage, 279 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and he was sacked four times. And then the Jets, I think he started the game, and then he actually spent the night, he was knocked out of the game in the hospital due to the severity of, of a rib injury. And then poof, what, eight weeks, nine weeks later on Christmas, Santa delivers us a special gift. DeVito has too many eggnogs on Christmas, and Tyrod Taylor has to come in and replace him. Ended up playing 49% of the snaps in this game. He was 17, 7 of 16 for 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception, wasn't sacked. And then in the end, he had a shot to tie it, and it was picked off by Keely Ringo, one of our favorite players in the draft. Yeah, somebody that we wanted to see in horns. Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice. Although he's developing very, very slowly, it would have been nice to have him on the roster. But I, I feel like it, it made a lot of sense why Tyrod was number two and Cutlets was three, uh, because it, if you look at the game, it's his his game was really similar to um, how the Rams want Daniel, or sorry, how the Giants want Daniel Jones to be perceived as a quarterback, where if the play breaks down, he can kind of beat you a little bit with his legs, which is what Tyrod was doing with the Eagles. Exactly right. Isn't really Tommy specialty. And also the games like he did well, that bills game like to end the game, there's a missed PI call in the end zone to give them a first and goal opportunity with like zero time on the clock that they just weren't able to get. And then at the half, they had an opportunity to score and they missed, they messed that up. So he has no problem getting you down the field, but once he gets in the red zone, he kind of tightens up a little bit, similar to McVay in the first quarter. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it should be – I feel like it will be low scoring in that regard, at least on their side, because I think once they get to the red zone, if we can't – like I think we should be able to stop him based on how he has performed this far in his career and this season. So if, if we see them get down there and score fast and early and often and get in the end zone – then it starts to be like, uh-oh. Like, that's yeah, I just don't know. And you're right. Like, I, I don't disagree with you. But what I, I think is unsustainable for this offense is the explosives, right? Because if they can right. score early and often, right, if they're going to get 14 points on the board early, because in this, this Christmas game, they had uh, three plays of 20-plus yards, including the 69-yard touchdown pass to Darius Slayton down the left sideline. Philly, though, conversely, has allowed 18th, the 18th most 20-plus yard plays on the season. So part of it is the defense that they were playing we gotta against. we got to be close to that, though. I feel like we got to be up there I, on, I think on we're, explosive plays. We are. We definitely are. And they, they can generate explosives with Tyrod Taylor, to your point. It's just a, a matter of them being able to limit it, right? And then yeah. players like Saquon Barkley in the backfield, and, and Tyrod Taylor has a lot of, of solid pass catchers, and Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt, who, who we loved in the draft, Wandale Robinson and Darius Slayton, who we just mentioned, but it's their offensive line that continuously leaks oil. And they've been leaking oil all season. They're one of the worst units in the entire league and have allowed 77 total sacks on the season. So the next closest are the Jets at 61 and the Commanders at 60. So if it weren't for Andrew Thomas, we'd be talking about a historically bad offensive line. And Justin Pugh, starting at left guard from Arizona, who Aaron Donald is very, very, very familiar with. Um, quite honestly, I've never seen him ever even come close to winning a rep against Aaron Donald. So that matchup should be fun. And then rookie center and John Michael Schmitz, who we also liked in the draft, but their whole right side is weak. So it, it is going to be a matter of Tyrod Taylor being able to play a game identical to the Buffalo game, where right. he was like 26 of 34 or whatever it was, and they they lost the game 14 to 9 to be able to keep it yeah. close. Which he's, he's absolutely capable of. Like we yeah. saw it in the Buffalo game. We saw it earlier in, in his career. I do feel a little bad for this Giants team. It does feel like they kind of got hit with the season from hell. I mean, it, it starts off the season 
Uh, they lose like 40 points against uh, the Cowboys to start. And then it just felt like injury after injury after injury. And Danny Dimes go down in the contract year. Like his first year on the contract, so you can't really evaluate him. And then you got these like backups that are coming in. And, you know, they were able to have some fun with Tommy Cutlets for a little bit. But it seems like, it, as it always does, the clock struck midnight for him. And now, I mean, it's, it, came to, it came to us at, at an unfortunate time. Because if we're, you know, I would feel so much better if Tommy Cutlets was starting this game. So like, they, like it, I, I think the line would reflect it differently as well. Because at, at the end of the day, you know, the Giants were really playing for nothing. They're like, yeah, let's let the Paisan get out there. But with Tyrod Taylor, I mean, they could sneakily win these next couple of games. They play the Eagles again at, yeah. at, at, at their last game in uh, New York or New Jersey, whatever. So, I mean, and they want to win. They have no incentive to lose right now. So, well, I'm, they're they're eliminated, right? So right. they've been completely eliminated, eliminated from playoff contention. But I do think that they could be one of the big time players for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes for the number oh, one overall wow. pick. I don't know. To about me, that. I would think so because I mean, Danny Dimes hasn't showed you enough, and then Tyrod Taylor's going to be a great backup for his, the next couple of years, and you could definitely have him as your backup still for Caleb Williams. It's just something that we've been kind of speculating on, but I do think that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be fine in this game, specifically because Tyrod Taylor essentially has to pitch a perfect game, and it's very much dependent on their offensive line staying upright, their receivers having a really good game, Saquon Barkley continuing to be Saquon Barkley. Nick, I think you saw an injury report on Saquon. Yeah, I right before the episode started, I got him starting in one of my championships in fantasy, the first time I'm ever in this fantasy league championship. And today I see the injury report, and it said Saquon Barkley, Barkley changed from healthy to questionable. And then I tried to look it up online, before, you know, prior to this podcast to see if that. I haven't was, seen anything. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I don't know. Sometimes they're weird and they get it out like a little earlier than everybody else. But I don't know. I mean, you know, I've, <laughs> probably just... for, for my championship, I kind of hope he's healthy. <laughs> but for it's kind of a win-win, you know, or a lose-lose. Something that will probably limit him in practice, but won't limit him in the game at all. That's right. what I would expect. Yeah, that's, that's what I would expect. Uh, this defense, Nick. We're going to talk about this defense led by Wink Martindale. Quite uh, possibly, pull up the picture you showed me right before the episode started. This is uh, this is unreal. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen four players playing playing like right to the to, uh, to Jalen Hurts? Have you ever seen a defense in I formation before? No, <laughs> that's what I mean. Power I. What is this? <laughs> That's what's so confusing about it. Wink Martindale, I don't know if he's on his last leg as a defensive coordinator. I think he, he may be. Um, their blitz, the Giants are 28th ranked defense holistically led by Wink Martindale. But they're going to blitz you constantly at one of the highest rates in the NFL. And you saw it in this Eagles game on Christmas. They draw up exotic blitzes. They do anything to be able to be creative and generate pressure. And they have some personnel to be able to do it, right? Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau and B.J. Ojolari, who we loved in the draft. But Jalen Hurts was 17 of 27 for 183 yards and a pick when he was blitzed on Christmas. So the Giants felt like, okay, we're doing our due diligence. We're bringing the necessary pressure on Jalen. We're doing our job and causing pressure and forcing turnovers. And because they blitz so much, it puts a premium on players like Adoree Jackson, right? Guys who can cover one-on-one -on -one for more than two seconds against Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup. And while the pass rush is trying to really kind of generate and get home, that's what the kind of premium you get out of a guy like Adoree Jackson or a Deontay Banks who they drafted from Maryland or Cordell Flott in the slot, not going to be able to cover Cooper Cup a lot. But neither of those two guys, <laughs> neither of those two guys are having great seasons. 
Um, and Matthew Stafford gets the blitz. I don't have any flashy numbers for you. I'm sorry. But my eyes tell me that he is great this season against the blitz. So he I do not yeah. have any fear. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we've seen it the last couple of weeks. I feel like he's just been on top of the blitz just nonstop. Um, and to see Jalen Hurts, you know, 17 for 27, 183 yards in the pick when he was blitzed on Christmas. I mean, he's blitzed a lot, which is just like, you know, kind of scary. But I think Stafford throughout his career has kind of been really good against the blitz. And the first thing that comes to my mind has to be um, for the love of the game in yep. the, uh, you know, in that uh, playoff with the Bucs. In the divisional round. Yeah, they, right. they, it was an empty blitz. Like they sent everybody. It was zero all out. Like, let's go. Like, let's send the house. And for the love of the game, Cooper Cup, seam route, right up the middle, domination, seal the win. Um, and that's that's kind of been the mantra of Matthew Stafford against the Blitz since he's been in Los Angeles. And I think that's what's so impressive about the fact that they've been able to kind of put things together behind the offensive line. They've been able to marry the run game together. They've been able to develop a quick pass game. It's kept Matthew Stafford protected. Um, so I expect to see a lot more of that. It's definitely one of the keys. Unfortunately, it's been a key over the last three weeks. I haven't been able to come up with any that are original but a huge key is continuing to marry the run and the pass together so that you can keep this defense who likes to blitz an exceptional amount on their toes consistently. Yeah. I like I, that, that number 20 rank 28th feels a little low. I feel like their defense has been like some of the reasons why they've won the, the small amount of games that they have won. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like both commanders game, they held the commanders to are kind of a high scoring team to like, 10 points, 17 points. So you're right. So what's weird about this is like Dexter Lawrence is no schlub. Like he's one of the best interior players in the league. And Kayvon Thibodeau coming around the edge, like absolute stud, like great players. The 20th against the pass and guys like Bobby uh, Okereke in the middle is a really good player. Isaiah Simmons opposite of him is really good too. Xavier McKinney too, who's in the last year of his deal from Alabama, will command some good money in the open market. So there's a lot, there's, there's a Karake, a lot of really solid players on this defense, Nick, that suggests that they could put together a good enough game. Um, it's just a matter of being able to close it out offensively, but it's like the, their defensive personnel has enough to be able to generate turnovers and to be able to aggravate a team who's in one of the top seeds in the NFC, like the Eagles. Yeah. I, I, I know that they're the, the Eagles have been having struggles, but I watched that game and it, once again, it felt like that uh, the Giants' defense with that pick six, and then you know, yeah. forcing Hurts with those turnovers. That was the only thing that was really keeping them in the game. And then their special teams getting a you know getting a lucky fumble, but still. Oh like, right, yeah, that special teams play totally kept the Giants in the game. Right, it was Boston. Was, I mean, that's that's pure luck. If you're a Giants fan, the Eagles uh, punt returner ran into the other Eagles player, which popped the ball out. But you know, you had to be at the right place at the right time for that, and they were. I'll tell you what, though, that Adoree Jackson pick six, it looks like Dallas Goddard just flat out slipped. Like that would have been an easy completion to Dallas Goddard on an outbreaking yeah. route. And Adoree Jackson jumped it because Dallas Goddard wasn't able to get any leverage as a receiver. But to be fair, there was a no, there's a similar play that, that the Giants completely read earlier in the game where uh, the Giants defender almost made an, an incredible play on the ball to, to bring it home for a pick six. But he dropped it, too. So, I oh, mean, you know. Okay. Come say, come sa. As they I say. may have been having a crab cake or something while that play was happening. Yeah, during Christmas, I didn't have the Nickelodeon version of the game on this year just because it couldn't do it. But 
You know, you got Nickelodeon, you got to step it up a little more animation. Can't just put Andy Reid on a claw and slime. No, I mean, I feel like we kind of saw the better version, no, with the uh, <laughs> yeah, with, with the Pat Toy Story game. Oh, the, I was going to say, I remember we got the real time broadcasting with the actual characters last year. I was like, where was that? Oh, thing? yeah. That, I mean, Patrick Starr talking about uh, Russell Wilson's interceptions. That, I mean, that, that'll go down in history. That is not what he wanted to cook. Yeah, that's a great, great memory. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think that anything suggests that Matthew Stafford can't continuously cook in this game. So you talked about 28th overall ranked defense or 20th against the pass. So if they're better against anything, it's the pass because they're 29th against the run. They're allowing 134.2 yards per game on the ground. And the Rams have the luxury of playing three straight bottom 10 defenses against the run and the commanders, the Saints and the Giants in three consecutive weeks. So Kyron Williams over 100 yards for the fourth straight time. Lock that right in. And Matthew Stafford is celebrating by getting him a bottle of Don Julio for being the only running back to ever do so in the history of Matthew Stafford's career, especially if they clinch a playoff spot at the end of the day. But it's their pass defense that is a little bit better. We talked about some of their corners and their back-end safeties. It's um, definitely going to be a game where they have to kind of keep everything together. You can't get lazy. You can't take it lightly because it was a mini buy and they've had 10, 11 days between games. It's definitely one of those opportunities for you to kind of, you know, take your foot off of the gas. I just don't believe that the team, this team is going to do this at this point in the year. I think they're going to. No, come I don't think so either. At, everything about them, at least where they are now is should have proven to us that they are, and it's been proven to the 90% of the betters out there that they are the better team than this Giants team. It's the, it's the same thing that scared me Thursday. I, and I said the same thing on paper, they are much better than the saints. They should absolutely destroy the saints. And they did it. And now this is the same thing with the Giants, their offense, 10 times better than better head coach, better quarterback, not the better running back, but better weapons overall. And then the defense. I think the defenses are pretty even, but I think our defense is a little better than theirs. The only thing is, it's just NFL logic of everybody's already writing the Rams in to the playoffs, and this is where you you kind of like take a tumble. Like if I was an unbiased fan and I was looking at this line, Rams minus four, I would say that's fishy. It should be higher. And usually when it's fishy, yeah. you you kind of lean the other way if you're like a sharp. As they say, but but you're a biased fan. I am. Who knows, who knows this I think, team? I know. I like. Yeah, I watch the team. I watch it every week. They should win by like 14. Honestly, yeah. they should agree. roll them over. Yeah, the couple things that are fishy is like the spread opening up at six and a half and dropping all the way down to four and a half. Right, that's kind of fishy. Tyrod Taylor kind of having a, a yearly, I would say, I don't know bi-yearly resurgence. He does it one every two years, every three years. He just kind of comes out of nowhere and wins a team a couple of games. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of things, you know, that I just think are a little bit fishy. But the way that our defense is playing right now, like I feel like we're consistently generating pressure. There's almost no injury uh, on the second level in the back end. Ernest Jones has been playing so well coming out of the bye. Quentin Lake is one of the highest graded defensive backs in the slot. Um, I just have a lot of confidence that this team is going to continue on the trajectory that they've been setting themselves out to, to hit off on. And then next week, you're going to run into the roadblock with San Francisco, right? You're not going to probably not going to get the luxury of being able to sit starters, but this is the game where you have to go out, kick some ass and win by 14 points. I think, I think if you win this game, I think they're in. That's what like, I said, Matthew Stafford, huge bottle of Don Julio. 
Because the, the teams that, that we're worried about are Vikings-Packers who play each other. Right, right. So I, someone's going to get knocked yeah. down a peg. Yeah, but you're also worried about Seattle too at yeah, the same time. True. So, yes, you yeah, if Seattle wins out, yeah, if Seattle wins out and the Rams only win one of the next two games, that's where I think it gets interesting. But it's dependent yeah, on Seattle winning out. Pittsburgh. Hey, so I have a question for you. If the Rams clinch the playoffs, because Ashawn Robinson was so great during the celebration with that huge bottle that he was swinging around during the, the parade, do you invite him back into the locker room to celebrate with the squad? Probably not. Oof. I mean, I mean I'm I've watched a little bit of the hard knocks with Tua on Christmas. And they have Dan Marino and they're like calling him like Uncle Dan. And stuff like that. So, like, I'm I'm fine with that. Bring him back. Bring back the at least the, at least get a jersey swap on the field. Get some yeah. Bring back respect. the good vibes. Let's go. Bring him yeah. in the locker room. I mean, it's part, it's part of the Super Bowl team. But now it's like it's it's even better because you remember how much of an afterthought these like Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson. You're like, oh man, how are we ever going to replace these guys? Right. And then you get you get Kobe Turner and you get Byron Young. And you, you want get them all to pick young, up Sebastian? Joseph Day? The 49ers picked him up. Oh, no. The 49ers picked him up. Oh, real-time reaction. Damn it. Yeah, hurts a little. Yeah, I saw a lot of Rams fans unfollowing after the brief stay oh, for the Chargers. No. And then oh, and then he goes plays with the 49ers. No, no, support the man. Quick giggle, though, for me. I gotta, sometimes you just got to laugh. Um, is it our favorite time of the week? Yeah, yeah. We got an abridged Knicks picks coming your way. Let's do it. One more time. Rams <laughs> brothers. Uh, do you want to tell a story about how mom and dad saw a Rams brothers fan in the wild? Yeah. Shout out uh, Dean, uh, a fan that lives in Jersey. There's apparently a lot of fans in, in North Jersey and South Jersey, all over New Jersey. So shout out Dean. Our parents saw you in Walmart. So hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast. Welcome aboard. Um, big, big fans of yours for you being a huge listener and rocking Rams gear head to toe in the local Walmart. So respect. Yeah. You, yeah. Apparently Dean, not Dean Vespi, this other Dean was wearing Ram stuff. And my parents walked up to him and it was like, and my dad was like, go Rams. And then my dad or my mom said like, yeah, do you ever hear Rams brothers? And he was like with Dean and Nick or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> kind of interesting. Anyway. Current yeah. record of, of Knicks picks: We are forty-one, thirty-seven, and two. We are we, we we did go up a unit last week. I thought for sure that my Commanders plus three pick was dead in the water, but then they come all the way back and they lose, but they only lose by three. So how about that to have to just get more winning units on the year? Forty-one, thirty-seven, and two. I mean that's pretty good. I'm 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 not proud of it. It's the worst Knicks picks has been uh, the last three years, but. It's another winning season, so what are you going to do? I'm happy. You're basically it. the Mike Tomlin of NFL gambling. You're like right I, over 500 is, for your whole career, but you end with a winning record. And and I won a Super Bowl with the Rams, where I pocketed like three thousand dollars on that Super Bowl victory. As soon as they signed OBJ, I put three hundred dollars on them to win the Super Bowl. Paid out three k. Smartest bet of my life. Anyway, That's, moving yeah. on to what is this week? 17? 16? 17. Jiminy Chrysler. Uh, Dolphins at Ravens. So the line for this is Dolphins plus three and a half. This is the fishiest line I think I've seen all season. It's sus. 
as the kids say. It's fitting because the dolphins are the only aquatic animal of the NFL mascots. I think the world is going to sit here and they're going to overreact to the Baltimore game against San Francisco where they just, you know, walloped the Packers, four interceptions. Uh, nobody's happier about those four interceptions than me. But if you look at the interceptions, credit where credit is due to Brock Purdy, three of the four were like bounced off his guy's hands into yeah. the Ravens' hands. And like, you know, you got to be at the right place at the right time, absolutely. But I, I don't think the Ravens' D is as formidable as they looked against Brock Purdy. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think Tua and the Dolphins are going to take this game very serious. And I know it's at Baltimore, but the line is too fishy for me not to jump on Dolphins plus three and a half. I think the Dolphins are going to be able to um, to at least lose by three. That's a good spread. I was watching Colin Cowherd yesterday. He said, give me the Ravens minus six alternate line. He's that confident in the Ravens. And he's perfect. Pretty, uh, pretty convincing Cowherd, argument. But you gave a pretty convincing argument towards the Dolphins. So Cowherd so is the ultimate square. Um, I feel like he only like he just he is all reactionary based. So he'll go off last week, which I do that sometimes too. Everybody does, but that's all he looks at. Like he has a short memory. And I feel like that's how you lose a lot of money, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, well, I know from experience that that is how you lose a lot of money. All right, what's next? Lions at Cowboys? Lions at Cowboys. The line opened up at uh, Cowboys minus three. It's a good game. Money's flying all over the place. And right now it's Lions plus six. Everybody loves Dallas in this game. It's at Dallas. Dallas apparently at Dallas is like, you know, Cowboys in Jerry World is like the best team in the NFL. If you just go off those numbers, I'm not buying it. You know why? Jarek Goff in a dome is the best quarterback potentially ever in a lines uniform. Um, truly. I, I, I honestly believe that he is balling out this year. And I just don't think a six. I like, I know the Lions are going to give up a lot of points to this Dallas team, but their offense is going to put up a shit ton of points too. I think six is way too high. Let it keep crawling up. I think it'll get to seven because I think people are all over this Dallas team, especially after like a, you know, like a cupcake loss against the Dolphins where, you know, if their fullback doesn't fumble the ball, then maybe they win that game. But hey, that's what yeah. happens. I love Lions plus six. It's my favorite bet of the week. So give me Lions plus six and let's move on. I would have flip-flopped these two if I were the odds makers. Like I think the Lions, Lions and Cowboys should have been three and a half, and I think Dolphins and Ravens could have been – Should be plus six. Plus six. Yeah, but you, get, you have to start putting respect on the Dolphins, right? I no, don't you don't feel that way? There's still a contention for a one seed. You win this game, I know, and you right. can still get the one seed. There are three mm. AFC teams that can get the one seed. So it's Dolphins, Ravens. Can you name the third? Dolphins, Ravens. I mean, some tricky stuff has to happen, but they can still get it. No, tell me. So, Dolphins have to beat the Ravens. Ravens then have to lose next week to the Steelers. And the Dolphins have to lose next week to the Bills. And then my Cleveland Browns. Oh, there you go. And get the one seed. I was like, I'm missing somebody. They're 10-5, and five, aren't they? Yeah. Joe Flacco, could he win? That's ridiculous, man. He's great. That's fun. All right, what do you got with the last one? Last one, Packers at Vikings. It's a New Year's Eve nighttime game. I think this is 
I love this game. It, it, uh, it's uh, Bill Simmons called it uh, a loser leaves town, which isn't the case because if the you know if the Packers win, they can still leave town the following week, and the Vikings are still in playoff contention. But I mean, the the best scenario for us here is kind of a Packers win. I, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I'm just happy that one of them is going to lose. It's in um, Minnesota. So we got the whole skull like thing going the entire time. And am I crazy to think that Nick Mullins is a better quarterback than Jordan Love? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I am crazy. I just don't trust this Packers defense at all. They gave up 30 points to the Panthers last week. To the Carolina Panthers. I know. I know. Yeah, that game's going to be up in the air. And I just think Vikings minus two, uh, you know, a chance to root for Kevin O'Connell one more time this season. Like, I absolutely love it. Give me Vikings minus two. I don't trust the Packers at all. I think they're so fraudulent. Their record is not depicted. Like, they should have lost that Saints game earlier in the season. The Saints guy misses a field goal and they win. And then if we have if, – if they face us any other week of the season, any other week outside of the one Brett Rippon week, we beat them. And then, I agree. Of course, I agree. Of, course that, of course, that's the week that they face us. They were so lucky that week. All and, right, let's run it back. What do you got? Yeah, You're right. That was the luckiest shit ever. Run it back. We got Dolphins plus three and a half, Lions plus six, Vikings minus two, and then I'm going to be a square. I'm going to join 90% of America. Give me Rams minus four and a half. I just can't. I God. cannot do it. it I, I watch both teams. I know who the Rams are. They absolutely should bulldoze the Giants. I think like six that. and a half points is a good line. I think they could have went up to seven and a half. Could have went all the way up to ten and a half. I think the Rams take care of business in this game, trying not to be biased. I think the Rams' miracle victory carriage or the, the Giants with Tyrod Taylor is running out. Same with the Vikings. Like, it's time for these teams to, to button up their seasons on the wrong end, and the Rams are trending in the right way, so I expect them to end up on top. We'll see. Yeah. Appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys had a very happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. You know, all the other amazing holidays out there. You guys are the real MVPs for listening and giving us uh, something fun to do on our on our off days. So Indeed. Yep. Next time we'll talk to you guys, it'll be in the new year. So have a great rest of your year. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Hopefully we'll see some of you guys if we end up making it to the game. If not, we'll be rooting for them and then we'll be talking about them right afterward. We love you guys. Go Rams. Peace.